On this World Mission Sabbath, I'm going to begin with a story that is very familiar, but I'm going to end with a story you have never heard before and you will never forget. The familiar story, it goes like this. And as they went from town to town, a lot of people joined in and traveled along. Jesus addressed them using this story. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Some of it fell on the road. It was trampled down and the birds ate it. Other seed fell in the gravel and it's, it sprouted but withered because it didn't have good roots. Other seed fell in the weeds. The weeds grew with it and strangled it. Other seed fell on rich earth and produced a bumper crop. Are you listening to this? Jesus asked. Are you really listening? His disciples asked, well, why did you tell this story? And he said, you've been given insight into God's kingdom and you know how it works. There are others who need stories. But even with these stories, some of them aren't going to get it. Their eyes are open, but they don't see a thing. Their ears are open, but they don't hear a thing. Let us pray. Oh God, eyes open, ears open. But what do we see? What is it we hear? Today, please, let us hear the Word of God and may the seed go deep into our receptive minds. We pray through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Have you ever sown seed? That really is fun to do. I mean, that's the way they did it, you know. There are no big John Deere combines back then. You just, you just reached in and you threw it. I'm really not an authority on seed sowing, although I'm happy to tell you that I did some of my own seed sowing just a few weeks ago on Labor Day. First day of September was Labor Day, and you remember this particular Labor Day was a rainy day. But my teenage daughter and I, Kristen and I, went out into this patch of earth 10 feet by 12 feet where a, a cauldron had gone in the front of our yard. We had covered it over. Now it's just dirt, turned into weeds, and there in the rain, she and I weeded and weeded and weeded and weeded. And when all the weeds were gone, then we raked it, then we smoothed, and then we, then we surfaced it up. And then the fun part, reaching in to that bag of Walmart seeds for your lawn and just taking it and knowing that you're going to throw this out. You know what? I've got the pictures to prove it and I'll show you the pictures in just a moment. We ended up with the same four soil types that Jesus did in that parable. You just throw the seed. You can't tell. You don't know what's going to happen. But to hold that seed and to wonder how much life is going to come out of this seed that I cast. I want you to open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 8, as we continue our series about my father's business. While you're finding your Bible and you're opening it, I wish you would also locate, please, your worship bulletin that you came with today, because in the worship bulletin is a study guide, and I'd like everybody, ushers are ready, in fact, to hand out study guides to those of you who need them. But take that study guide, and I need to say this quick. Those of you watching on television right now, if you'll go to our website, www, we'll put it on the screen there, pmchurch.org. Go to the website. The study guide is already there. In fact, 
If you've missed a part of this series as it's been developing, you go to the study guide. We've got all, you go to the website rather, we have all the study guides there. So you can be a part of this whole teaching series about my father's business. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 8, but now go to the study guide. Have your Bible ready, but go to the study guide because I want to get the operative word. Let's just get it out on the table. Let's be clear why we're going to this very familiar story. The story you've never heard of is coming up in just a moment. That comes at the end. Top of the study guide, you see the first line. The key word to this teaching is right in the word non-anxious. Right? It's a hyphenated word. Non-anxious. The title of, uh, of this teaching, How to Be a Non-Anxious Farmer. What are you talking about non-anxious? Well, here's what I mean. I don't know of too many subjects within our community of faith that create as much anxiety and guilt as this particular subject. Some of you have never sown seed and you feel guilty. Some of you have sown seed and you feel guilty. What is there about our hearts that we are responding in this way? Jesus has some incredibly good news, and I want to share the good news with you this morning. Good news for all of us who want to become non-anxious followers and friends of the Father whose business we are going about. So now let's go to Luke chapter 8. Let me get rid of this handful of seed here. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Gospel of St. Luke. I read it just a moment ago in the message, but I want to take a little more... A pensive look at this with you and your Bible. Now, those of you watching on television, you're going to get the NIV, the New International Version. That's what's going to appear on your screen. Those of you sitting here who didn't bring a Bible, we've got the New King James Version right in front of you. Pull that Bible out. This is Luke chapter 8. Let's pick it up, please, with verse 4. Luke 8, verse 4. And while a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Now, now, do you know what a parable is? Hit the pause button right there for a moment. C.H. Dodd, the great New Testament scholar. I love the way he defines a parable. We'll put it on the screen. At its simplest, the parable is a metaphor. Come on, all you English freshman comp. Come on, you, you, took, you know what a metaphor is. Or a simile drawn from nature or common life arresting the hearer by its vividness or its strangeness. Now, I like this. Leaving the mind in sufficient doubt. So you want to leave you in doubt. In sufficient doubt about its precise application to tease the mind, to tease it into active thought. I like that concept, to tease the mind. Jesus tells stories that we tease our minds into active thought. Once upon a time, Jesus told a story. The story goes like this. Verse 5 And he said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Well, you know, the farmer has to walk in the soil. So everywhere he puts his sandals or bare feet, he pats it down. So if you're throwing throwing seed as you're going, it's going to land... If it lands behind you, it's going to land in your footprint, and that means it's patted down. And when it's hard and the seed lies there, guess who comes? Shoom, here comes the birds. Here come the birds. And sure enough, the birds came, and they ate it up. Now, there's another kind of uh, seed soil experience. Verse 6, some fell on rock. And by the way, I've been to Israel. I'm telling you, the bus trip from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I, I thought, man, we're going to have some, some hills and there'll be some trees. Are you kidding? We're talking about barren hills that are just covered with rocks. I mean, it looks like rock gardens just as far as the eye can see. They not only have rocks on top, they have rocks underneath. And you can understand that when a rock is just beneath the soil and you have this, you have this much uh, topsoil on it, the roots are going to 
over. The roots cannot go down. So some fell in the rocks. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Well, that makes sense. And other seed, here comes a third soil seed variant. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. But hallelujah, there's still the fourth. Still other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more. Look, you take one of these seeds here. This is, this is just a little seed. But Jesus is saying, that little seed produced a grain, a head of grain with hundreds of seeds in it. Grain that will become bread, see. A hundredfold. Well, that's good. And then Jesus goes on when he said this. He called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples come racing up to him because how did C.H. Dodd put this? The mind left in sufficient doubt to tease it into thinking. They come running up to Jesus and they say, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Why are you telling this story? It does not make sense to us. Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you. Verse 11. Here it comes. This is the meaning of the parable. You see this? I mean, if he had had a bag of seed, he'd, have, he'd reach down and say, hey guys, look, look, look. See this? This is the Word of God. Seed. Word. The seed is the Word of of God. By the way, it's the word of Christ. If you go to verse 1 here in the same chapter, it's obviously the word of Jesus because after this, this is verse 1 of Luke 8, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. It's the gospel, the word, it's the good news. Jesus said, I have gone around, I am the ultimate farmer and I've been scattering seed. The seed, the seed is the word of God. Write that down, will you please, in your study guide, fill it in please. The seed is the gospel of Christ, write in the word gospel. Which is, of course, the Word, right in the Word, the Word of God. All right, now Jesus said, I want to tell you something about life. Wherever you go scattering this seed, I want you to know that you're going to run into four different human responses to the scattered seed. Count them. One, two, three, four. Let me tell you what those four responses are. And, ladies and gentlemen, we'll read Jesus. This is one of the few times he interprets the parable. So Jesus says, okay, let me tell you, response number one, verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Hey, let me show you. I got it right in my yard. I have these four in my yard. Put a picture up from my yard, please. Look at that. That's from my yard. That's where it's beaten down. It's out near the road. And you know what? It's so beaten down. Those seeds, you can see the rich growth, but the seeds could not grow over there. What kind of heart does that represent? Would you write it down in your study guide, please? It's the unresponsive heart. Write in the word unresponsive. This is the unresponsive heart. It's the kind of heart that Ezekiel the preacher had to deal with in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 32. Let's put that on the screen, please. This is Ezekiel 33. Indeed, preacher... To, your, to the people who are listening to you, <laughs> oh, how many preachers know this to be true? You are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. <laughs> that's what happens. Every preacher dreads it, but that's the reality. Jesus says, wherever you go, you're going to have, number one, you're going to have unresponsive hearts. I've, I found a poem in William Hendrickson's commentary on Luke. I love this poem. You've got to see it on the screen to follow along. It's just four lines long. It's about a man. A man is speaking here about his preacher. 
And I always came to his church before my Sally were dead. And I heard him a bumming away like a buzzard clock over my head. And I never knew what he meant, but I thought he had something to say. And I thought he said what he ought to have said. And I went away. I didn't know what was happening. I went away. Unresponsive hearts. Is that your heart? You're one of the four, and so am I. Okay, there are four responses. Response number two. Let's read verse 13. And those on the rock, see the seed that landed on the rock, are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. What kind of heart is that? Well, let me just show you. I got it in my yard. Hey, look at that. See, that's right out near the pavement. See, that rocks, there's no seed growing in there. A seed might have started when I planted that back in September. It might have started, but it sure didn't get very far. Look at that's all rock. There's no topsoil, there's no ground underneath it. The seed died quick if it was there at all. What kind of heart is this? Would you write it down, please? This is the impulsive heart. Oh, yes, I'll do it. Going to follow Jesus. Yes, sirree. This is the impulsive heart. Leaps to join God in his venture. But there's no root. Runs into rock. Runs into trouble. And then ditches. First John chapter 2. Take a look at this description. First John. This would be chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us. This old man, Pastor John, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us now. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. The impulsive roots went down, ran into trouble, ran into hard times. I quit, withered, dead. James talks to us, who those of us who, hey, it's all of us, who run into rocks in our lives. Look at this from James chapter 1. He says, listen, you want to talk about surviving? Blessed is, this is James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Just hang in there. You're running into a rock in your life right now. It's blocked your progress. You don't have to wither up and die. Just go around the rock. Blessed is the man, the woman who goes on. All right, there there are four responses. First one is unresponsive. Second one is impulsive. Let's go to response number three. That would be verse 14. And the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's riches, by life's worries rather, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Let me show you what happens to see this from my yard now see that lands amongst the weeds. Ah, terrible. The weeds took over, throttled out any any grass trying to grow here. This is our territory. Goodbye. What kind of heart would that represent? Would you write it down, please? Response number three is the preoccupied heart. Got into it, but I've been preoccupied. Just can't go all the way. I, you know, what, what, what's Jesus talking about here? Huh? He's talking about that which throttles us. As William Hendrickson has written, nothing grows faster than that which is not wanted. Isn't that true? Nothing grows faster than what you don't want. You want to get, out, you want to get rid of something in your life? You watch. Boom! It will start growing like a weed. That old devil, he's no dummy. I want to give you three little mini biographies. Write it down, please. Mark chapter 6, verse 20. Would you write in the name Herod? 
Herod had seed that went into his heart. Herod could have responded just like Nebuchadnezzar, another king. He could have, but he didn't. Let's look at Herod. Look at how Herod responds. Oh, Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. But Herod was, Herod rather was preoccupied with pleasure, dancing and partying, and it just choked. Any seed that John the Baptist planted. There's a second name you can write up there. This would be Matthew chapter 19. In that blank beside Matthew 19, would you write in three words, rich, young, ruler. Talking about preoccupied with wealth. Rich, young, ruler. Let's read uh, Matthew 19. When the young man heard this, what Jesus said to him, he went away sad Because he had great wealth. He was preoccupied with his holdings, his portfolios. I'm going to get through this university and I'm going to get a job that brings it in when I am done. Preoccupied with the pursuit of wealth. And it killed him. Just throttled the seed. Jesus was throwing a fistful into him. Just a fistful. But it boom, boom. Choked out. Too quick. There's one more. This would be 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Right in the name Demas. Demas, one of the great Christian disciples of Paul, could have been. Paul speaks very highly of him earlier in his life, but at the end, notice what Paul says of Demas. This is be Second Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He got preoccupied, fell in love with the world, said, I don't want this radical Jesus stuff. I'm not going to be a Christian. I'm not going to be an Adventist. I'm not going to be anything. I got the world suckered by Madison Avenue and Wall Street. Suckered by Hollywood. Just sucked right out. Demas went for the world. But, hallelujah, there is a fourth response. One verse left in Jesus' explanation. But the seed, this is verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Oh, let me show you. Take a look at that lawn, folks. Aren't you proud? Look at that. By the way, I just took the pictures. That's in 30 days. That's in less than 30 days. Look at that growth. Whoa. That's good soil. That, that, I, you write it down. That's responsive soil. Write in the word responsive. That's a responsive heart. Jesus says, I want to throw fistfuls of seed into your life. And I need soil that will respond to me, please. By the way, they're responsive people in the Bible. I love the people in Berea. Acts chapter 17. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message of God with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if it was the way Paul said it was. They had receptive soil, responsive, took it in, checked it out, and the seed grew and grew and grew. By the way, that's David. Psalm 119. David says, Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Responsive heart. There they are, ladies and gentlemen. Write them down. Four different responses to the identical seed. Is the problem the seed? It's no problem with a seed at all. Seed's fine. Thank you. It's the variant. The variant is the soil. It's not the seed's problem. As W.M. Taylor put it, the heart of the hearer determines the effect of the word upon him. 
So, okay, Dwight, what's this big punchline, huh? Where's the punchline to this? Well, I tell you what, that depends on who, who we are because every story is teased, every mind is teased into the story to find its own application. I suppose one application would be this very big question. When God plants His seed, what kind of heart does it find in me? Hmm? Where does it go? What, what, what soil am I? Am I unresponsive? I mean, God comes along, comes down that dormitory hallway, comes through my neighborhood, knocking at the door and saying, Hey, I have something to tell you that's a little different. You never heard this before, but I need to plan it. What kind of soil? Unresponsive? Am I impulsive? Am I preoccupied? Am I responsive? Man, man, you know, if we want a punchline for this parable, it could be right here. Oh, Jesus, please give me a heart. Give me a heart that is responsive. Give me a heart that is receptive. Please sow your seed in my mind and spirit. It's a wonderful punchline. That's not the one we're looking for, though. The one we're looking for is this. Clearly here. This story has some very good news for those of us who become anxious or guilty, bothered or oppressed by this notion. Oh, man, I got to go. out. Oh, man, I got to go do this. I got to I got to scatter some seed. I don't know what's going to happen here. People actually develop neuroses over the thought of going out for Jesus and scattering the seed. The good news, and this is what I want you to hear, on this World Mission Sabbath, I want you to because some of you are saying, I, I, I see all the flags that are up. There is no way I could be a missionary. Cross-cultural can't do it. I, you know, what would happen? I can't speak the language. There would be nothing happening. And besides, I'm afraid of failure. What if I fail? What if the seed doesn't grow? You know what? We got a whole community of faith that has been paralyzed by that kind of mistaken thinking. You need to hear what this story is saying. And it's very good news, this punchline. Punchline is simple. I'm going to give it to you. It's just these words. Verse 5. A farmer went out. Is it? A farmer went out to sow his seed. Period. Period. It's that period that's the good news. Farmer went out to sow his seed. All he does is he reaches into his bag and says, okay, got to go. He reaches in. He doesn't analyze it. He doesn't say, now, where is this seed going to land? I noticed that a certain percentage, of, he doesn't, there's no analysis. There's no paralysis of the analysis. He just reaches into his bag and he throws it out. Cast the seed. Handful. After handful, you saw Mark come walking through here, handful after handful after handful. He's not worried. Do you know why he's not worried? Because the farmer knows that he sows the seed and that God grows the seed. He's not anxious. Would you write that down in your study guide, please? The farmer knows that he sows the seed. That's his task. And he knows that God is responsible to grow the seed. That's the whole point. I have a friend who's been quite worried, young friend, quite worried about, you know, I have been sowing seed all my young adult life and I have nothing to show for it. I said, come on, are you really sowing seed? He said, yeah, I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed on the job where I've moved up high in the uh, administration. I'm sowing seed in the neighborhood. I'm sowing seed among the friends I have. I'm sowing seed. But I am so worried because you know what? Those baptismal curtains have never parted for me, for someone that I am bringing to Jesus. And I feel like a failure. 
I want to say to my friend, I want to say to me, because I have, I have uh, struggled with that same... I want to say to all of us, the point that Jesus is making is for you and me. And the point is really simple. It's just, it's quit playing God. You're not God. No surprise to you or me. Just quit playing God. In fact, would you write this in, please? We are not the harvester. You want a non-anxious truth? We are not the harvester. Write it in. We are not the harvester. In fact, Jesus said, look at this. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Surprise! You're not it. There's already a Lord of the harvest to send out workers into His harvest field. We are not the harvester. Hey, may I direct your attention just a minute? Go, go straight above the choir. See the hands of the choir? Just go straight up. Keep going higher. Don't stop at the choir. Just keep going. Go right up there. See that, see that rose window? The top stained glass window. See that? Do you know what that's a picture of? That is a picture of Revelation 14. Verse 14. Let's put the words on the screen. Revelation 14, 14. And I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Not you. Not me. He said, well, Dwight, what am I? Glad you asked. You're the farmer. You're the farmer. And what does a farmer do? The farmer does one thing. He scatters seed everywhere she goes. That's all. Write it down, please. We are not the harvester. Nope, nope. We are the sowers. Of the seed. Move into that story you've never heard in your life, but let me just share this on the way there. This is 1 Corinthians 3. This is Paul proving it all. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4. When one says, Hey, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, another big preacher, are, hey, what are you, mere people? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed. Listen, i got a lot of young preachers here. I want to tell you something. There's nothing worse in the ministry than for preachers to be worried about how another preacher is doing. It's absolutely ludicrous. Because you're nothing. You're nothing but a seed scatterer. Who cares? Paul, now go back to here. Paul says, look, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but... Surprise, surprise, God is the one who made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Look at that. Want to know what the bottom line to this punchline is? Write it into your study guide, please. To be about your father's business is to be about the farmers. Write in the farmers. To be about your father's business is to be about the farmer's business. Keep writing. The farmer sows, the father grows. See? You sow... God grows. You don't have to worry where the seeds are landing. You don't have to worry how the seeds are growing. You just keep reaching into that bag and by the fistful, you just throwing it out. When you're traveling on the plane, you just throw it out. That's all you do. The rest is up to the harvester. The one who grows the seed. 
It's the Father's business. Your business and my business is farmer's business. Can't see any results yet? Act, Dwight, I can't see a thing happening. Listen, the law of spiritual averages means that eventually you're going to be on a pathway that has some fertile soil beside it. You'll get the growth. And by the way, it's God's growth anyway. What is this? Sitting around swapping stories? Who has the biggest harvest? You don't have a harvest at all. It's not yours. It's God's harvest. You just throw the seed, sister. You just throw the seed. Throw the seed. Throw the seed. So what's the point? So, so. That's it. So, so. Please don't call this teaching a so, so teaching. This is a so, so teaching. Make sure you get this spelled two different ways, please. Don't make the mistake of spelling the second word the same as the first word is spelled. So, so. That's a big idea. (laughs) So, so. That's it. When? Anytime, so anytime. Where? So anywhere. What? Sow the word. Hey, I got my bag of seed here. You can sow the word. In Benton Harbor, can I sow the word? You can sow the word in Benton Harbor. In the dormitory, can I sow the word? You can sow the word in the dormitory. In my classroom with my students, can I sow the word? You can sow the word there. In the hospital, can I sow my... Oh, you can do it in the hospital. You can do it wherever you go, Farmer Brown. You say, what can I sow? Well, let's just use some of this. Look at this, reaching into your seed bag. I tell you what. You won't find anything nicer than this. Look at this. Message magazine, signs magazine, two magazines. You can send these magazines to anybody anywhere in the United States and 12 times a year the seeds will just go pouring into that mailbox and into that home when you can't even be there. So, just so, 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 so. All right, what else can I sow? Hey, Liberty Magazine goes to the attorneys, the judges, the congressmen, the president gets this. So... What else? Oh, my buddy. You know my, uh, my friend Doug Batchelor? Amazing facts, study guides. Oh, boy, those are dynamite. You can sow those anywhere you go, anywhere you want. Just sow them. You can go door to door in Benton Harbor with these colorful little pamphlets. This is seed. This is colored seed. You just sow it, sow it, sow it. Full color. Here's Voice of Prophecy that also produces. This is the, the uh, Discover Bible School. You can do this door to door. Yeah, I got my friend Mark Finley in here somewhere. Mark, where are you? Oh, here he is. Look at this, Mark, man. This is it is written. You can sow a telecast. You can have people watching it is written. You can have people listening to Voice of Prophecy. You can have people listening to Faith for Today's The Evidence. You can share the videos for postmodern secular minds. You can sow and sow and sow. Hey, here's one. You can sow on the Internet. Did you know that? Take a look at this. Write the, no, you have to send the study guide. But these are capital R, capital U. This is a website to tell your friends across uh, during a coffee break. Areyousearching.com. You can tell it on a plane. Hey, I want to share with you a website. Scribble it on the back of an envelope. Hey, check this website out. We've produced the website right here in the Pioneer Memorial Church. Pastor Skip is overseeing that production. Dynamite animation. People get the seed sown just by going to that website. You can sow it in cyberspace. You can sow it anywhere. Hey, tell them about New Perceptions. Our little uh, Andrews Pioneer Television Ministry. It's on channel, what is it, channel 12 around here. Tell them about 3ABN. Tell them about Safe TV. The point is, just reach into the bag and throw the seed. Ah, Dwight, I don't know. I'm just worried. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus Himself came to sow. And by the way, do you know what Jesus sowed? I want to end with this for that story. 
You know what Jesus sowed? Yeah, he sowed the word of God. He sowed the gospel. But Jesus sowed his blood. They used to say to the early Christians, the blood of martyrs is seed. There's no more effective way than Calvary's great seed sower. Somewhere in your conversation, once you get along a while, there's nothing more powerful than to take the story of Calvary and share that story. But Dwight, I've I've been sowing seed for so many years and nothing's happened. And I tell you what, it just doesn't make sense to me. It just seems like a bunch of hype to get me to do something. No, 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 no. I want to end with a story. This is World Mission Sabbath. This is the right story to end for World Mission Sabbath. It's a story about you. Could be, could be about me. Listen to the story. Jim Cimbala tells the story in his, his little trilogy of books. And this one is Fresh Power. I've got all three books. In the middle of fresh power is this story. Sit back and listen as we conclude with the story now. Back in 1921, all right? Back in 1921, a missionary couple named David and Svea Flood, with their two-year-old son from Sweden, went to the heart of Africa, to what was then called the Belgian Congo, all right? They met up with with another young Scandinavian couple, the Ericsons, and the four of them sought God for direction. In those days of much tenderness and devotion and sacrifice, they felt led of the Lord to set out from the main mission station and to take the gospel into a remote area. Reminds me of Adventist Frontier Missions headquartered right here in town, going into remote areas. This was a huge step of faith. At the village of Endolera, Endolera, they were rebuffed by the chief who wouldn't let them enter his town for fear of alienating the local gods. The two couples opted to go a half mile up the slope and build their own mud huts. You got the picture? They prayed for a spiritual breakthrough, but there was none. Nothing changed. The only contact with the villagers was a young boy. Who was allowed to sell. Okay, he was allowed. She said, you can go to them. And he was allowed to sell them chickens and eggs twice a week. It's the only contact. Sevilla Flood, who was a tiny woman, only four feet, eight inches tall, decided that if this was the only African she could talk to, she would try to lead the boy to Jesus. And in fact, get this, she succeeded. But there were no other encouragements. Meanwhile, malaria continued to strike one member of the little band after another. In time, the Ericsons decided that they had had enough suffering and they left to return to the central mission station. David and Sevilla Flood remained near Endolera to go on alone. Then, of all things, Sevilla found herself pregnant in the middle of the primitive wilderness When the time came for her to give birth, the village chief softened enough to allow a midwife to help her. A little girl was born whom they named Aina. The delivery, however, was exhausting and severe flood, already weak from bouts of malaria, found that the birth process was a heavy blow to her stamina. She lasted only another 17 days. She dies. Inside, David Flood. Something snapped in that moment. He dug a crude grave, buried his 27-year-old wife, then took his children back down to the mountain to the mission station, giving his newborn daughter to the Ericsons. He snarled, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife and I obviously can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life. And with that, he headed for the port, rejecting not only his calling, but rejecting God himself. The story's not over. 
Within eight months, both the Ericsons were stricken with a mysterious malady and died within days of each other. The family that they gave the baby to, they die, both of them. The baby was then turned over to some American missionaries who adjusted her Swedish name to Aggie and eventually brought her back to the United States at the age of three. This family loved the little girl and were afraid that if they tried to return to Africa, some legal obstacle might separate her from them. So they decided to stay in their home country and switch from missionary work to pastoral ministry. And that is how little Aggie grew up in South Dakota. As a young woman, she attended North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. There she met and married a young man named Dewey Hurst. Years passed. The Hearst enjoyed a fruitful ministry. Aggie gave birth first to a daughter and then to a son. In time, her husband became president of a Christian college in the Seattle area. And Aggie was intrigued to find so much Scandinavian heritage in Seattle. One day, a Swedish religious magazine appeared in her mailbox. She had no idea who sent it. And of course, she couldn't read a word. But as she turned the pages, all of a sudden, a photo stopped her cold. There in a primitive setting was a grave with a white cross. And on the cross were the words, Sevilla Flood. Aggie jumped into her car, raced for the hospital, uh, raced for the college rather, to a faculty member whom she knew could translate the article. What does this say? What does this say? He said, all right. The instructor summarized the story. It was about missionaries who had come to Endelera long ago. It was about the birth of a white baby. About the death of a young mother. About the one little African boy who had been led to Christ. And how after the whites had left, the boy had grown up and finally persuaded the chief to let him build a school in the village. The article, the instructor went on, said that gradually the boy won all his students to Christ. And then the children led their parents to Christ. And even the chief had become a Christian. Today there were... According to the article, 600 Christian believers in that one village. All because of the sacrifice of David and Sevilla flood for the hearse. When their 25th anniversary came, the college presented them with the gift of a vacation to Sweden. There Aggie sought to find a real father. He was an old man now. David Flood had remarried, fathered four more children, and generally dissipated his life with alcohol. He had recently suffered a stroke. Still bitter, he had one rule in his family. Never mention the name of God because God took everything from me. After an, an emotional reunion with her half-brothers and half-sister, Aggie brought up the subject of seeing her father. The others hesitated. Look, look, you can talk to him even though he's very ill now, but you need to know that whenever he hears the name of God, he flies into a rage. Aggie was not to be deterred. She walked into the squalid apartment with liquor bottles everywhere and approached the 73-year-old man lying in a rumpled bed. Papa, she said tentatively. He turned and began to cry. Aina, he said, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she replied, taking him gently in her arms. God took care of me. The man stiffened instantly. The tears stopped. God forgot all of us. Our lives had been like this because of him. And he turned his face back to the wall. Aggie stroked his face and then continued undaunted. Papa, Papa, I've got a little story to tell you. And it's a true one. You didn't go to Africa in vain. 
Mama didn't die in vain. The little boy you won to the Lord grew up to win that whole village to Jesus Christ. The one seed you planted just kept growing and growing. And Papa, there are 600 African people serving the Lord because you were faithful to the call of God in your life. Oh, Papa, Jesus loves you. He's never hated you. The old man turned back to look into his daughter's eyes. His body relaxed. He began to talk. And by the end of the afternoon, he had come back to the God he had resented for so many decades. Over the next few days, father and daughter enjoyed warm moments together. Aggie and her husband soon had to return to America. And within a few weeks, David Flood died. A few years later, the Hearst were attending a high-level evangelism conference over in London, England. When a report was given from the nation of Zaire, the former Belgian Congo, the superintendent of the national church representing some 110,000 baptized believers spoke eloquently of the gospel spread in his nation. Heck, he couldn't help but going up to him afterwards and asking if he had ever heard of David and Sevilla Flood. Oh, yes, madam, the man replied in French, his words then translated into English. It was Sevilla Flood who led me to Jesus Christ. I was the boy who brought food to your parents before you were born. In fact, to this day, your mother's grave and her memory are honored by all of us. He embraced her in a long, sobbing hug. And then he continued, you must come to Africa to see because your mother is the most famous person in our history. In time, that's exactly what happened. Aggie Hurst and her husband journeyed to Africa. They were welcomed by cheering throngs of villagers. She even met the man who had been hired by her father many years before to carry her back down the mountain in a hammock-like cradle. The most dramatic moment, of course, was when the pastor escorted Aggie to see her mother's white cross for herself. She knelt in the soil to pray and give thanks. Later that day in church, the pastor read from John 12:24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And then he ended with Psalm 126:5, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Ladies and gentlemen, we sow. That's all we do. We sow. He grows. I want to ask you. I don't care what experience you've had in the past with sowing. Would you be willing today to recommit yourself to be just this, a sower for the gospel of Christ. Everywhere you go, just to take a handful of seed and to just scatter it. Just scatter it. I don't know what's going to happen to that seed. Neither do you. But we will scatter it for Jesus, trusting that the God who gave the seed can make it grow. You want to, you, you want to commit to that? Come on, let's do. If you want to commit to that, say, Jesus, make me a sower. I want to be a farmer about my father's business. Would you stand to your feet right now? Come on, just, just stand to your feet. Say, Jesus, just give me the seed. 
Introduce me to what I can throw but a fistful out. I, I, just, I just want to sow seed. You grow, I sow. And that will be enough for me, Jesus. Yep, that is enough. Let's go forth and sow in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, we stand so quick, so simple. But Father, that's what it is. It's so simple to reach into a bag to take a fistful of seed and to broadcast it, to scatter it far and wide. You grow the seed. We just sow the seed. But we'd like to go back to sowing, those of us who have quit. We'd like to start sowing, those of us who've never started. We want to be about our Father's business. And so, dear God... Make us the farmers you need. For a farmer went forth and he scattered the seed.